0: So this morning, we're starting a new sermon series on how to live by faith, and over these next few weeks, what we're going to talk about is how, when we turn to Jesus Christ and trust Him, He really does supernaturally free us from temptation, from jealousy, from boredom, from... Bitterness, anger, and forgiveness. He really does set us free from uh, discontentment, from jealousy, from fear and worry. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he really does come and set us free from these things. Because we all struggle with these, right? Jealousy, frustration, impatience, fear. We all struggle with them. In fact, I want to share with you one of the times in my life as I look back, I think this was the time when I have been the most fearful, just petrified with fear. Here's the setting, and I'm going to tell you later what Jesus did in helping me. Uh, I'd gone, to, this is back in the States a few years ago, I'd gone for a routine eye uh, exam, and the doctor wanted me to take a different, do a different test that I'd ever done before. So I look in this little scope, and it, when little sections of the screen shimmer, I'm supposed to hit a little button, kind of like a computer game. Okay, so shimmering, I'm hitting the buttons, hitting the buttons, hitting the buttons. Test was over, the computer prints out the results, and the results, there's little little dots that show where, whenever you missed something. And on the printout, there was all these little black dots all over, showing I had not seen something I was supposed to see. And he, he looks at this, and he says, there must be something wrong. Let, let's run the test again. Okay. So I look in the screen, shimmering, hit the, hit the buttons, uh, test is over, printout comes out of the, the printer, same printout. All these black splotches where I, I missed things that, that my eyes should have been able to see. And he says, you know, I'm not sure what's going on here. Let's do this. Let's have you scheduled to come back in for some more extensive tests, and we'll see um, what's going on. And so I went out to the lobby, made the next appointment. And as I was walking out to my car, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind that my father, just a few years previously, started to lose his eyesight and was becoming legally blind. And I just, my, my heart started to pound in my chest. You've, you've experienced this, right? I broke out into a cold sweat. I started trembling and I was just petrified with fear. So here's the question that I want us to be talking about this morning and in these next few weeks. What does it mean to live by faith at a time like that? Or when we're dealing with jealousy, or worry, or discontentment, or bitterness, or unforgiveness? What does it mean to live by faith? We all know we should trust the Lord, but what does that mean? How do you do that? And what does he promise to do when we do that? That's what we're going to look at. And the passage I want us to focus on this morning is John chapter 6, verse 35. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. We'll have it up here on the screen, but you go ahead and turn there. Here's the context of John 6, 35. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus had just fed 5,000 by taking five loaves and two fish and multiplying it. So there was enough food for 5,000. 5,000 of them, plus basketfuls of leftovers afterwards. Then later that day, Jesus and the disciples got into a boat, went across the Sea of Galilee. The next morning, the people who'd been fed the previous day woke up. Where's Jesus? We want to find him. So they got into boats, went across the Sea of Galilee, because they wanted to find Jesus and see some more miracles. And so they found Jesus, and they said, we want you to work some miracles like like bringing manna down from heaven, like, like Moses did. And Jesus says to them, Moses was wonderful, amazing prophet of God. But there's a better kind of bread, Jesus tells them. There's a better kind of bread, which Moses wasn't able to give you. So pick up the story in verse 32. John 6, 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who is he talking about? Jesus, right? Let's read that again. The bread of God is he, Jesus, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Oh, isn't that powerful I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now This, I believe, is one of the most important verses in the Bible to understand what it means to live by faith. Let's read it again. We're going to read it numerous times this morning. I want to just get it sunk deep into our hearts. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, first question. What does Jesus mean by hungering And thirsting what kind of hungering and thirsting is he talking about and notice that in this verse you can see that he's assuming that everyone listening to him is hungering and thirsting they're all hungering and thirsting or what he says wouldn't have any relevance for them so everyone is hungering and thirsting this is not just a spiritual hungering and thirsting this is a hungering and thirsting that every single human being has so what is it I think what it is is it's this emotional hunger, not a physical hunger obviously, it's it's an emotional hunger for meaning, for contentment, for joy, for peace, for pleasure. Every human being is hungry for joy, peace, pleasure, heart satisfaction. Now let me give you a passage for one reason why I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Turn to Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 2. We'll have it up here on the screen. Jesus was very familiar with his Old Testament. He knew his Old Testament. He would have been familiar with this passage. And listen to what Isaiah writes, says in Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. He says, Come, everyone who thirsts. So he's assuming everybody's thirsting. It's not just a spiritual thirst. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Now notice how many parallels there are between Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 and John six thirty-five. Isaiah is talking to everybody who's thirsting. And Jesus talks about to people who are thirsting. Isaiah is offering them wine and milk and bread. And Jesus is offering them bread. But notice in Isaiah 55 what this bread will do for them. It will satisfy them. See that word satisfy there? And it will delight them. It will fill them with delight. So everyone is hungry for satisfaction. Everyone is hungry, thirsty for delight. Think about that U2 song or the old U2 song. I'll date me here. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, okay? That's the cry of every human heart. Some of you have not yet found the joy, the peace, the pleasure, the meaning, the contentment that you're longing for. You might think, well, it's going to come once I reach this level in my work, or once I get married, or once we have children, or, or once I attain a certain level of accomplishments. It's not the case. You'll still be saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Every human heart is thirsting and hungering for joy, for peace, for meaning, for pleasure, for delight. Now, with that in mind, let's turn back to John 6, 35 and read it again so we understand what he means now by hungering and thirsting. Verse 35, John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, that raises another question. Second question. What does Jesus promise to do with our hungers and thirsts? Are you in touch with the fact that, yes, you have longings in your heart for joy, for pleasure, for delight, for peace, for meaning, for contentment? Can you, can you feel that? We're all in the same boat there. This is the cry of the human heart. So what does Jesus promise to do? It's right there in the verse. Let's read it again. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst so Jesus doesn't tell us ignore your desires for pleasure and joy and delight that's not what Jesus says what Jesus promises to do is to fulfill all our desires for joy and for pleasure and delight to fulfill them all in himself Do you hear that He promises to fulfill all of our hearts, hungers, and thirsts for joy, for pleasure, for meaning. He promises to fulfill them all in Himself. That's what He promises to do. See, the Bible says very clearly, our problem is not that we seek joy or pleasure too much. None of us are seeking joy and pleasure too much. Our problem is that we're seeking for it in the wrong places and we're settling for too little. It's a very famous C.S. Lewis quote where he says, we're like children who are enjoying playing with mud in the gutter because we can't imagine how fun it would be to have a holiday in the Bahamas. Right? We're settling for too little joy. None of us here are seeking for joy passionately enough. We're looking for it in the wrong places, though. And Jesus says, seek it passionately, and I will give it to you in me. In me. Now, let me show you two other scriptures. You may be a little skeptical at this point. Really? Is that really what the Bible says? Nothing wrong with a little skepticism. Let's answer that skepticism. Psalm 1611. Amy referred to that verse this morning. One of my favorite verses in the scripture. So here, David is talking to God, and look at what he says. He's talking to God. You, God, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now that Hebrew word for joy, it's very important. That is describing an emotional feeling of joy. Okay, it's not complicated. An emotional feeling of joy. And notice that word fullness. Now think about this. If your heart was full of joy, how much hunger for joy would you have? Let's try that again. This is not too complicated. If your heart is full of joy, how much hunger for joy are you going to still have? None. Fullness of joy. And notice, this isn't something just in heaven. He, sees, he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And then he does talk about heaven in the next line, at your right hand there are pleasures forever. So here, David is saying the exact same thing in Psalm 16, 11, as Jesus is saying in John chapter 6, 35. Jesus says, if we come to him and believe in him, all our heart, hungers, and thirsts will be satisfied. David says, if we come into God's presence, we will have fullness of joy forever. They're saying the same thing with different words. Do you see that? Is the cynicism dropping a little bit? I hope maybe. Let's look at one other verse to back this up. Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6. This is David again. Look at what he says. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Okay, what's David saying? David's saying that sometimes when he when he goes to sleep, puts his head on his pillow, he would, before he'd go to sleep, he would just meditate on God's mighty works. Like God, think about creation. Lord, you are so good in creating, you're so Powerful in the way you've created. You're so wise in the way that you've created. And think about how you delivered Israel from Egypt with mighty signs and wonders. God, you are awesome. And then you parted the Red Sea and they went across on dry land. And then the Pharaoh's armies came and the sea parted. God, you're glorious. And he would be meditating on God's mighty works and he would be meditating on God's attributes. You're pure, you're good, you are loving. You're gracious, you're faithful, you're powerful, you're eternal, you've always been. And there were times when David meditated on God's mighty works and on God's attributes and he was so filled with God's presence in doing that that his soul was completely satisfied with joy. So he's praising God with joyful lips. Do you see that here? So if your soul is satisfied, how much hunger for satisfaction do you have? Thank you, Amy. None. Amy's quick here. The rest of you kind of, okay? None. And so Psalm 63 is saying the exact same thing that Jesus says in John six thirty-five. David says, when I meditate on the Lord and behold him and worship him, my soul is satisfied. Jesus says, when you come to me and believe in me, your heart, hungers, and thirst will be satisfied. Same thing, different words. Now, with that in mind, let's turn back to John six thirty-five. We're asking the question, what does Jesus promise to do for our heart hungers and thirsts? This is so important to understand. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, to understand this, this is so key and crucial to understanding living by faith. Because this is the battle of faith. All battle for faith comes down to this issue. Am I going to trust that Jesus Christ will fully satisfy me now and forever, or am I not going to trust that? I mean, think about it. Every temptation is saying, no, something else will satisfy you more. Every temptation, right? Thousands of different shapes and sizes of temptation, but they all have the same lie at their heart. I will give you more satisfaction than Jesus will. I'll give you more pleasure and joy than Jesus will. And Jesus stands before us and says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. See, this is the battle. And when this is happening in our hearts, when we come to Jesus and believe in him and experience him satisfying all our heart hungers and thirsts, everything else we need to be in the Christian life flows from that. Love for your enemies flows from that. Peace during trials flows from that. Freedom from worry and fear flows from that. Forgiveness of those who've hurt you flows from that. Contentment when things are difficult flows from that. Everything, I mean, all the obedience you need flows from that. When you are trusting that Jesus Christ is your all-satisfying treasure Everything else you need in the Christian life flows from that. This is the battle of faith. This is the heart of faith. That's why I oftentimes talk about trusting Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and your all-satisfying treasure. Based on this verse is where the treasure part comes from. Savior is crucial. If he didn't die on the cross to pay for our sins, all we would receive from him is no... We'd receive no pleasure, no joy in his presence, just the prospect of wrath forever. Right? So trust Jesus as your Savior or you're lost forever. And trust Him as your Lord. He is the Lord. You will bow before Him either gladly or angrily at that final day. He is the Lord. Bow before Him now. But see, we can bow before Him with joy because we know that in bowing before Him, He's going to be our all satisfying treasure. That's where fullness of joy will come. This is the battle for faith. We're going to be coming back to this week after week. This is the solution to worry. This is the solution to temptation. This is the solution to laziness. This is the solution to just feeling blah. This is the answer to all those heart hungers that we deal with. Now, next question. How do we have Jesus satisfy our hungers and thirsts? How do we do this? It doesn't happen automatically. Notice there's something we do. Did you catch what we do? Let's read the verse again. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We must come to him. We must believe in him. Now, this is not something that just happens at the beginning of your Christian life. It does happen there. Right? You come to Jesus. You turn from whatever else you were trusting to satisfy you. I still have not found what I'm looking for with those things. The Holy Spirit's opened your eyes to see Jesus. You are glorious. If I could know you, if I could have fellowship with you and worship you, I'd be happy forever. So you turn from those things. You trust him to forgive you for your sin. You bow and submit to him. You receive him into your life as your all-satisfying treasure. You come to Jesus. You believe. That happens at the beginning of your Christian life. Yes. But it's not just at the beginning of your Christian life. Coming to Jesus and believing in him happens every day, and numerous times every day. So let me share with you how this happened to me as I was driving home from the the eye doctor. And I'm sharing this because this is one of the most powerful experiences that I've had of the Lord in my life. I was petrified with fear, shaking, cold sweat, heart pounding. I'm thinking, my dad's losing his eyesight, I'm going to lose my eyesight. What am I going to do? How am I going to care for Jan? How are we going to live? How's my church going to survive? What's what's going to happen? And I knew that I needed to come to Jesus and I needed to believe in him. So the first step, I came to Jesus. And what that means is you talk to him. It's very simple. You pray. You're, you're, You're talking to, to Jesus, and I knew that my fear, this might sound strange, but I hope at the end of this series you'll see more why it's true, fear is, is unbelief, fear is sin, you say, well, who wouldn't be afraid of losing your sight? Fear not, Isaiah says, for I am with you, God is talking, Jesus said to the disciples after they were panicking in the boat, why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? So who wouldn't fear losing their eyesight? Well, I sure feared, but that doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. It doesn't mean it wasn't unbelief. It doesn't mean it wasn't sin. And so I came to Jesus, and the first thing I prayed about was, forgive me. I am full of fear, which means I'm full of unbelief right now. Please forgive me. And the beautiful thing is, you come to Jesus even with the heart full of unbelief and fear, and because of the cross, his arms are open every time. And I confessed my sin to him. I said, I'm sorry. And I was assured of complete forgiveness. I knew he loved me. I knew that sin had been paid for on the cross. I knew I was forgiven. I didn't just ask for forgiveness, but I also came to Jesus and said, Would you heal my eyes? If there is something wrong with them, would you heal my eyes and take this problem away? So I prayed for healing. That's what he calls us to do, and he can can heal instantly. And then I asked for his help. So I confessed my sins, I, I prayed for healing, and I asked for his help. I am full of unbelief now. Please change my heart. I want to trust you. I want peace right now. I need you. I can't change my own heart. I can't, I can't do anything to get rid of this fear in my own power. I need you to come. So I confessed my sin, I asked him for healing, and I asked him to change my heart. That's what it meant for me to, to come to Jesus at that moment as I was driving, and then I knew I needed to believe in Jesus, because I was fearful, and my fear showed me that I wasn't really trusting all that God has promised me in His Word. Now, I don't think God promises that no believer is going to lose their vision. There's no promise in the Bible like that, but there are promises in God's Word that I wasn't trusting. And so I just started to think about promises and pray over promises. I prayed over Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs. So if I was to lose my eyesight, God's going to provide for Jan and me. He's promised that. So I prayed over that. And and he he strengthened me. Yes, that's true. And then I knew we might need to make lots of decisions. And James 1.5, okay, you're going to give us all the wisdom that we need. And we're going to need grace and strength, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I prayed over these promises but the fear was still mostly there until I prayed over this next passage, which we'll have appear. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16. There it is, through 18. So powerful. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, okay, that's like losing your eyesight, okay? Outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing, underline that word producing, it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now here's what this means. Think about like a scale, okay? And think about the, the benefits you have from being able to see. That's a lot of weight, right? I mean, think about be able to see. I can see you, right? I can read, I can see oceans and mountains, I can see Jan. I mean, there's a lot of weight with, with seeing, right? Can you feel that? But what Paul is saying here is that if God purposefully allowed me to lose my vision, it's because that was going to produce an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison that the the joy of beholding Jesus' glory that he would give me in that would completely compensate for what I would have lost by losing my vision and my eyesight. Do you see that? Let's read it again. It's right there. Don't take my word for it. Verse 17, momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I knew that if God chose to have me lose my eyesight, it's only because it's a gift of even more joy in Jesus' glory than I would have had with my eyesight. Think about it like this um, let's say that you were all of a sudden 10,000 Durham poorer. Okay, check your bank account, 10,000 lower. Maybe that means you're totally overdrawn, or whatever. But I mean, let's, let's say you're all of a sudden 10,000 Durham poorer. Think of the, the loss you'd feel. Oh, man, that's, that's a loss, right? Okay. But wouldn't it make a difference if the reason you were 10,000 Durham poorer is you had just put that 10,000 Durham into an investment which was going to bring you a million Durham in a month. Would that make a difference? Are, are you getting this? Okay, let's try one more time. To, to all of a sudden see that you're 10,000 Durham poorer, you'd feel that. Oh my goodness, that's hard. I'm angry. I have to, what, but if you knew that the reason is because that's been invested in something that's going to bring you a million Durham in a month, how would you feel about that 10,000 Durham poorness? It would be okay, right? In fact, it would, be, it, would it be more than okay? It would be more than okay. Okay, now listen very carefully. Here's why I was so full of fear. All I was thinking about was the 10,000 Durham less in the account. I was ignoring the million Durham's worth of joy in Jesus' glory that was promised to come to me. Do you see that? All I was focused on was 10,000 Durham's poorer. I might be 10,000 Durham's less. When If that were to happen, it's because there was going to be a million dirhams worth of joy in Jesus coming to me. That's why I say my fear was sin because it was unbelief. I was not thinking about all that I have in Christ at that point. All I was thinking about was the the possible loss of vision. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting vision? No. Is vision a good gift from God? Yes. Am I glad I have vision? Yes. Did it all end up okay with my vision? Yes. Okay? So this is not a matter of sin because of what you're desiring, but any good gift from God can become sin if we desire it instead of Him. It can become an idol. And at that moment, all I was thinking about was my vision and not about all that I would have in Christ if God chose to have me lose my vision. Okay, so, so what needs to happen to have my faith get strengthened? I need to turn my eyes back and, and I need to see Jesus again. I need to see and feel what I have in Jesus again, because all I was feeling was the loss of the vision. I wasn't feeling anything about Jesus to my shame. I was feeling nothing about Jesus. That's why I was so fearful. You understand that? So as I prayed over this verse and other scriptures about who Jesus is, God did something very kind for me. He gave me, as I was driving in that car, such a taste, such an experience of the truth of his glory and his beauty and his majesty, I started to weep. And I, I, I tell you, honestly, I said to the Lord, if this is what it would mean to lose my sight, bring it. If this is your plan, I had so much joy in him, it was it was worth it all. And I was completely freed from fear, from Petrified with fear to completely at peace and full of joy. Now, did I keep praying that He would give me my sight? Yes. Did Jan and I pray about that when we got home that night? Yes. Was I happy when I went back to the doctor the next day? And he said, We had a little bit of a problem. Don't worry about that. Let's run that test again. And did the test come out better? I think that's what happened anyway. Whatever it is, I can see now. It was not a problem. Yes, I'm ha- very happy about that. Do I thank God often for my sight? Yes. But do you see what God does? He gave me a taste of the joy and the glory of Jesus that so filled me and satisfied me right then in the car that it completely compensated for and covered the fear of loss of vision. Does that make any sense? Okay, I'm sure you've experienced that. If you've maybe in larger, smaller ways, you've experienced that. See, that is the heart, and that's why my faith grew strong. I tasted. Oh, yes, that's right. I've got a million Durham worth of joy in Jesus coming to me. This is a good thing. I don't need to be afraid. Now, please, one of my hesitancies in sharing that story is I, no one should walk away from that story thinking, wow, what a man of God. What a powerful, strong, full of faith man of God Pastor Steve is. That's the wrong conclusion from this story. Remember, I was petrified with fear. Did you get that part of the story? Okay. I was trembling, cold sweat. My heart was pounding. I was not a strong man of God. I was a wimp. I was weak, full of unbelief. This is a story of a strong Jesus reaching down to a weak, unbelieving man and changing his heart by his power. So see, joy in Jesus isn't something, it's like I'm supposed to feel joy in Jesus. I've got to feel joy in Jesus. There's some truth to that, but see, we come to him we believe in him, we seek his face, and then he supernaturally will give us times where you're glorious, you're glorious, you're awesome, thank you, you're here, I see, that. I see and feel the truth of who you are in the word, and you're filled, all your heart hungers and thirsts satisfied. See, that is what we need to do when we're tempted with sin. That's what we need to do when we're not forgiving someone. That's what we need to do when we're bored. That's what we need to do when we're impatient. That's what we need to do when we're frustrated at our boss. That's what we need to do when we're feeling overwhelmed at work. What am I leaving out? That's what we need to do when we're tempted to gossip. That's what we need to do when, I don't want to read the Bible, right? The fight of faith all comes down to fighting to see and feel. Jesus Christ as the bread of life, my all-satisfying treasure. And that's where we're going over these next weeks. Now, one other question before we come to a conclusion. What is the problem then when I am hungering and thirsting? In other words, what's going on in my heart when I'm not experiencing joy in Christ and peace in Christ? Actually, I was going to say something earlier and I forgot. This is very important. We talked earlier about how Jesus satisfies all our heart hungers and thirsts so we have peace and joy. And that's true. But that does not mean that Christians never feel grief. It does not mean we never feel sorrow. Remember, Jesus wept. And no one trusted the Father more than Jesus. He was trusting him perfectly while he was weeping. So please don't hear that we're just kind of one-dimensional emotionally and all we have is is joy. It's not the case. Remember, Paul says that we grieve over our loved ones who've gone to heaven, but we don't grieve as those without hope. So we do grieve, but it's a different kind of grief. It's a grief that's mingled with, with hope. You can weep over the loss of a loved one with hope. Joy in Christ can mingle with our sorrows and sadnesses and help and comfort and strengthen us in them. Is that clear? Okay, so do believers grieve and, and sorrow? Yes. Okay, so important to understand that. Okay, now having said that, what then is the problem when I am hungering and thirsting? Look at verse 35 and, and ask that question. Look at what Jesus says. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger whoever believes in me shall never thirst so if if i'm having heart hungers and thirsts like i'm fearful or i'm envious or i'm angry or i'm bored or i'm just feeling out of sorts or i'm bitter or greedy or impatient if i've got heart hungers and thirsts what's the problem well think about it jesus said if you come to me and believe in me you will not hunger or thirst so if you are hungering and thirsting what's the problem You're not coming to Him and believing in Him. Do you see that? When you're envious, you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him at that moment. When you're impatient, you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him at that moment. When you're feeling bored, you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him at that moment. This is so important for us to understand. We're always trusting something to satisfy us. And so when we're not, if we're trusting Jesus to satisfy us, then we know he's going to be satisfying me. It's coming. And so we're content. But when we're not content, when we're impatient, envious, jealous, bitter, unforgiving, angry, frustrated, overwhelmed, we're not coming to Jesus and we're not believing in him. We're trusting something else to satisfy us. We're coming to something else to be bread of life to us. Let me give you an example, two examples. Let's say you I have a friend who just got a brand new car, nice car, and you are jealous. You're I'd, I'd like that car. I'd be really happy if I had that car. I'd be, I would love having that car. How come he gets that car? So you know how jealousy goes, right? Now listen, jealousy is a heart, hunger, and thirst, right? And so when I'm jealous over a friend who just got a new car, that's a heart, hunger, and thirst, which shows that I'm, I'm not coming to Jesus and believing in Jesus. Do you see that? I'm coming to the thought of a new car. I'm believing in the thought of a new car. That's what's going to make me satisfied. Do you see how that works? Now listen, is a new car going to satisfy me? You are not sharing enough conviction in answering that question. Okay, I didn't say what kind of new car it was. No, is a new car going to satisfy you? No, I mean, it'll be fun for a week two weeks, and then it's just the same as driving your car. I promise you, it it really will be. Now, is there anything wrong with buying a new car? No. But what's wrong is seeking your satisfaction in a new car or thinking you you won't be satisfied until you have the car that your friend has. And so the problem is unbelief. You're not trusting Jesus as your all-satisfying treasure. You're trusting the car as your all-satisfying treasure. Let's call a spade a spade. That's what we're doing. We're foolish. We're idiots. Yes, we are. That's what sin sin has always done. I mean, here there's a fountain of living water bubbling forth from Jesus and we're thirsty and we're thinking, ah, uh, I kind of think I'm going to dig my own little hole here, see if I can have some rainfall, get into that, this little car thing. Drink from the fountain, right? Okay, another example. Let's say you go out to dinner with some friends and, uh, and all day long you've been thinking about chicken tikka and, and, uh, and hummus, okay? I love chicken tikka and hummus. Okay, so you're, you're thinking about chicken tikka and hummus all day, and you're going to go out and, you, and you get to the gathering, and, and they've all decided to get Italian food. <laughs> We're in Abu Dhabi. I mean, nobody has good people have good Italian food here. I don't know, but anyway, but and so you're you know you're eating your dinner and you're you're, you're talking to them, but you you're just kind of in a sour mood the whole time. Okay, now what's the problem? Okay, a sour mood is heart, hunger, and thirst. Okay? When you're sour in your mood, it's not because you've had a bad day. It's not because of what your boss did. It's not because of what your kids did or what your husband did. I'm not excusing any of those things. But if you're in a sour mood, it's because you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him. Do you see that? This is so crucial. And so what you want to do is you... Say, Lord, what you're actually in that illustration, what you're, what you've been coming to and believing in, is chicken tikka and and uh, and hummus. thank you, hummus, hummus. <laughs> I love it. I just can't say it. Okay, so, um, so what do we do at those times? Well, we need to, as soon as we can. I mean, this might sound strange. Really, over chicken tikka and hummus, yes, we come to Jesus and we believe in Him. Forgive me. Change my heart. Help me see and feel once again who you are. You're glorious. You're God. And if they liked Italian, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'll give them the choice of what they want to eat. That's fine. I can put up with some pasta. It's okay. Satisfy me and yourself. And you, you seek him. And maybe you got to go to work. And, okay, i got to go to work and I work on the budget and stuff. But when you can, you get a break. So, Lord, please satisfy me. Fill me. I'm coming. I'm, 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 I'm pressing in. Maybe you got to go drive to, you know, go shopping for, at Lulu's for groceries. Okay, you know, you're praying. But, The point is, we're just pressing in. Lord, meet me, satisfy me, forgive me. I've been looking elsewhere. This is the heart of faith. This is what the fight of faith is all about. So whenever we're hungering and thirsting, it's always because we're not coming to Jesus and believing in him. It's always because we're trusting something else to satisfy us, which is letting us down. That's why there's hunger and thirst. Now, what should we do then when we're hungering and thirsting? What we should do is live by faith. That's what God wants us to do, faith. And faith means trusting all that God promises to be to us in Christ, especially His promise to satisfy us in Christ. Are we clear? We're not talking about God satisfying you with your circumstances or with wealth or with health. Are we clear on that? So important. That is not how God seeks to satisfy our hearts. He'll bless us with health. He'll bless us with things, but none of those will satisfy us. He gives us those so that we see those and say, God is good, and we look up and, yes, you're my all-satisfying treasure. I see your goodness in this, and I experience your goodness, and if you take this, you're still good, right? Just to be clear, okay. So we, we trust all that God promises to be to us in Christ, especially his promise to satisfy our hearts. Okay, so what should we do when we're hungering and thirsting? If we're bored, if we're frustrated, if we're bitter, what should we do? Let me give you five steps. First, notice that you're hungering and thirsting. Notice what's happening in your heart. Say, I'm in a sour mood. I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm bitter. I'm frustrated. I'm worried. I'm overwhelmed, whatever it might be. Notice what's happening in your heart. Don't just ignore it. Don't just move on from it. It'll it'll go away, whatever. Notice it. It's talking to you. It's telling you something about your faith. Second, understand what it means that you're hungering and thirsting. It shows you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him. Again, like I said, it's not that you're having a bad day. It's because of the fact that you're not coming to Jesus and believing in Him. You've been relying on something else to satisfy you, which is failing you. Jesus will not fail you. Third, come to Jesus in prayer. Ask Him to forgive you for your unbelief. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to change your heart's. Pour out your soul before him, seek his face, ask Jesus, come to him in prayer. And then fourth, strengthen your faith by praying over God's word. See, there's great power in God's word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So when you're faithless, open up God's word, say strengthen my faith. You start to pray, pray over the scriptures, meditate on God's word. The Holy Spirit will come and strengthen your faith. You'll see the truth. You'll believe the truth. You'll feel the truth. It's beautiful. Fifth, continue this until Jesus satisfies all your heart, hungers, and thirsts in himself. He will. Jesus promises to do this, and he has never broken a promise. And so he's standing before you right now saying, I'm the bread of life. He's saying this to you directly right now. Listen, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. He's saying, I will satisfy your heart. Come to me and drink. Now let's stand together. God, I pray that you'd come right now I pray that you would take this simple truth that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. There's no other bread of life except knowing you in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will satisfy us. Only Jesus Christ, your Holy Son, will satisfy our heart hungers and our heart thirsts. So I pray that you would impress that truth upon us deeply into our hearts right now. Come and do this, I pray, O oh Lord God. Father, I pray for any here who, who would say with that "You 2 song that they still haven't found what they're looking for because they've been looking in all the wrong places. And God, I pray that right now they would see Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and treasure and that they would turn from whatever else they've been trusting to satisfy them and trust Jesus Christ alone. Do that and save them in that way right now, I pray. Lord, I pray for any here who are just in the grip of worry and fear. I pray for any here who are full of bitterness and unforgiveness. I pray for some here who are just feeling like blah, like nothing towards you. Lord, I praise you that while those are all heart hungers and thirsts, you will satisfy all of them as we come to you and believe. You are the heart changing God. You bring about spiritual heart transplants when we come to you and when we believe in you. So Lord, please, I pray that you would do that as we seek your face, as we come to you, as we believe. Thank you that when we're weak, you're strong. You will come and meet us. So let's proclaim that with this worship song.